Hey, Bobo. What's going on, Cliff? I don't know. I was going to ask you that. You look amazing. Have you been losing more weight? Nope, holding steady. Really? Did you get a haircut? Nope, just still cutting it with the home shears. Huh. Okay, well, then you must have gotten your teeth whitened or something like that. Nope. Well, you're radiant. I mean, you're not pregnant, are you? I used to get accused of that all the time, but no, I'm not. Well, what is it? Why do you look so good? It's my brand new Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo Heather Orange t-shirt that's so radiant. Oh my gosh, you're glowing. You're just illuminating this entire room. Unbelievable that one t-shirt can have such an effect. It's true, Cliff. This radiant glow all comes from wearing this brand new bitchin' t-shirt. Well, my goodness, where can I get one of those? You can go to BigfootBeyondPodcast.com and order there at the top of the page. It says merchandise. That sounds easy. Yeah, you just click on that. It takes you straight to SasquatchPrints.com, which is Brandon Tennant's site. You know him. He's got all kinds of cool Squatch design t-shirts you've seen at all the conferences. So you go to BigfootAndBeyondPodcast.com and click the merch link. It'll bring you right there. It'll change your life. It has mine already. You look amazing, Bobo. Thank you. If it makes Bobo look good, imagine what it would do for you. Act now to get your very own Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo t-shirt. Domestic shipping is free. For international shipping rates, please email sasquatchprints at iCloud.com. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond. Featuring the Lennon and McCartney of Bigfoot, though they're arguably Harrison and Star, Cliff and Bobo. Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you doing? Good. What's going on, Cliff? All sorts of stuff is going on. Uh, Just tons of stuff. The Bigfoot tidal wave never stops, in my life at least. What about you? I get a few breaks in the wave action. I just huh. had some Bigfoot, I guess, not squatching because I was just in, uh, indoors. But, I mean, I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference amidst the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, um, which is a, a crazy thing. I mean, Gatlinburg is a uh, – that's still a place to social distance. How, how did that go? Social distancing, terrible. <laughs> there was, terrible, uh, yeah. You saw very few masks walking on the street. It was just – and if, you, if no one's been to Gatlinburg, it's – Imagine like just the 4th of July at your favorite beach or something. I mean, it's just packed shoulder to shoulder. It's literally shoulder to shoulder on all the streets, people spilling into the streets. Uh, it was for them. It was more a political statement, you know, like they're not going to wear a mask. Huh? So it was sketchy. I, I'm, I'll be surprised if I don't have it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Any chance of getting tested or something like that or. Yeah. Um, but they want you to wait till you have symptoms, I guess. Oh Yeah. I got to get tested here coming up here. Uh, I, I'm doing a production gig, some TV one-off sort of thing over the next couple months. Um, well, they're supposed to film in August, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, in order to do that, I have to go in and get tested, which I'm curious. I, I, I want to go get tested, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's Information is good to have. You know, Ignorance is bliss, maybe, but I'd be happier if I had that information. Because yeah, uh, um, I, I think I told you, I think I had this thing back in January before it was cool. So you wouldn't even have the antibodies now from that. I know, I know. They're saying that the antibodies don't last so long, but I sure would like to go in and see if there's any lingering ones in there. 
Yeah, because something, dude, put me down in bed for three days and nothing has put me in bed for three days for like 10 or 15 years. I just don't get sick like that. Yeah, so Gatlinburg. So who, who spoke at Gatlinburg? It was uh, myself, the great Adam Davies, who's been on our show, as well as Lyle Blackburn, who's been a guest, and Ken Gerhard. And then um, Amy Boo from Oregon, but I guess she's living in, I think she was originally from Oregon, now she's in Ohio. Oh, yeah, I just know her from Ohio. I'm not sure where she lives. Yeah. So I didn't see her talk, but people said it was good. And then the Ohio Knots, the Ohio Night Stalkers, Mike and Mike were there. I didn't see, I didn't get, I didn't get to see anyone except for maybe 20 minutes of uh, Adam and then like maybe 15 minutes of Lyles. Uh, okay. Well, we we're doing pretty well, man. A lot of those people have been on our show already. Yep. They sold 1,700 tickets and 1,100 showed up. Oh, wow. So 600 balked at that, huh? And they, well, they refunded about another 500 tickets or something. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is not a good year for Bigfoot events. No. I mean, I'm glad I went, but well, unless I'm hooked up to a ventilator next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll put a damper on the podcast, too, I might add. <laughs> I'll just be using, I'll be doing like a, you know, I got those things that read your, your eyeballs, you point at letters on a screen and it spells out words. <laughs> okay. Well, that you'll probably type faster like that anyway. I've seen how fast you type. Yeah, really. Yeah, I've got a gig coming up in a couple of weeks, um, the Minnesota Bigfoot Conference. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I, I said yes to it a long time before all this stuff came down the pipe and started knocking people down. Um, That's Abe Del Rio, right? Yeah, Abe Del Rio's stuff down, down there. Uh, so... I mean, it, I'm a little nervous about it because flying and, you know, being around people and how am I going to social distance and all that sort of stuff? Because I don't want to get this bug, man. Yeah, I know it's 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 just a bug and, you know, good immune system can help you out. And, and if you're under 45, you're probably going to live. And if you're over 45, well, then you got may have some issues. You know, that's what the science is saying, at least. But, dude, I'm 49. You know, right. I'll be 50 here in a couple months. That doesn't I'm, – I'm healthy relatively healthy, but still that doesn't bode well for me. I'm a little nervous about it, but my, my word is my word. And, and my wife is not so happy about that. <laughs> she would prefer I stay home. Yeah. Karita was furious that I went, I'm like, I'd be screwing over the organizers. And yeah. And by the way, what a well-run conference, the Smoky Mountain uh, Bigfoot conference is. It's Marty and Nikki Pippin. Yeah. They do this for a living. Like they put, they do, they do big events for all kinds of, like they just got an encrypted stuff last year, but I mean, they, they put on big events for thousands of people at convention centers and stuff like that, different subjects or whatever. And there's a lot of big firms like Mark DeWorth and Cryptid Con with uh, Jen and Lee. Like those are really well run, but I mean, this place was in a civic center, like a big ball, giant bar. It could have held, I think it holds 7,000, but they just, spread it out so big but i mean it was it was just there's the best audio i've ever seen at a conference i mean it was just so professional and so well organized and every detail covered it was it was awesome oh that's cool i did i did the gig last year of course um and i i like the gigs that i don't know what's going on and it's all fine you know it's like they say you know if your shoes fit you don't notice them Right. Um, or if you're, you know, your pants fit, you don't notice them is what I really should be saying nowadays. But, uh, uh, yeah. And I didn't notice anything about the gig. So I know everything was running smoothly. It was, it was really nice. It was a good gig. I enjoyed it. Cause I mean, like you go to Ohio Bigfoot conference, like that main speaker's room, 
then it always fills up and it's overflow. So people got to watch on videos and, or, you know, in a different room closer. Yeah. Well, like live feeds, like a video feed or something. And that's, and you know, Ohio's got it down pretty well, but some, I mean, I've been to, we've both been to several conferences with that sort of situation and things don't always go smoothly. There's always, not always, but there's a high potential for technical glitches. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not to bad mouth, but I mean, if you just do one conference a year, you know, it's just, you're, you're not a professional. Like you just do it as a thing. Cause you love Bigfoot. You'd like to get the people together and have, have a, you know, a good time of socializing and all that versus people that do it. That's their career. They, they do it all the time. They put on big conferences of different sorts year round. It was just like, wow, this is, this is professionally run. Well, yeah, and I, but I guess the good thing about doing one a year because you just like Bigfoot is that, well, it won't make you go bankrupt this year. You know, whereas if you, you did live events for a living, this is not a good year for you. No, no. No, I have a friend in Portland here that she does live events for a living. You know, when the COVID thing happened, like she basically almost went belly up. So like, what is she going to do? Well, she saw a need and she started sewing masks. Right. So now she sells masks on Etsy and she's, I mean, she's not doing like she was when she was doing live event stuff, but it's helping, helping her keep afloat. Cause these are the times where, um, you know, you can work as hard as you want, but sometimes the creativity is more important. And these kinds of times seem to lean more heavily on creativity and then hard work to feed you and your family and pay the rent and whatever else has to be done. So weird times. Well, all of this goes to show that, uh, if, if, we Bigfooters may have a, a leg up on the, in this matter because we're chasing something that is the master of social distancing. It knows how to take care of itself. It doesn't need food. It, or it needs food. It doesn't need clothing. It doesn't need shelter. It doesn't need any of this stuff. And we can t- we can learn a few things from Sasquatches. Yeah, yeah. The meek shall inherit the earth, so they say. And I think that uh, the Bigfoot is stepping up to bat. It's gonna hit it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Gatlinburg. Well, I'm glad you're home. I hope uh, hope you don't get it. I mean, what is it, a four or eight percent infection rate or something like that? But I hope you don't get it. Um, hope none of you all get it. Of course, uh, um, Adam already had it. Yeah, you know, you know how we're always saying how people don't read anymore. Those guys sold so many books books at Gatlinburg. Adam Davies, I don't I don't know how many he had. I don't know, like seventy or eighty books. He was sold out in the first like hour and a half. Oh, that's fantastic. Good. Yeah. And uh, Ken and Lyle probably did pretty well also. Yeah, they, they, they definitely sold. They definitely sold. But I think um, people have seen those guys and had a chance to buy their books because I saw a lot of familiar faces. And Lyle does a lot. Of, and Ken also, you know, we do these conferences. So they've seen us and had access to our, our merch, whatever. And I think Adam was, Adam was kind of the new kid on the block. But, um, yeah, they, they loved him. His presentation – from what I heard from audience reaction, like he had he had the most well received. Like his his presentation went went the best. Oh, great, great! What did you present on? Just audio, like comparing vocalizations from the South and the Northwest and the similarities. Yeah, my slides got mixed up. I don't know what happened. They were out of order, and then there was like about fifteen slides missing. I'm not sure I've ever seen you speak when that didn't happen. Well, it's because I switched over to my new computer. I switched over. To, I got a Lenovo, and I was trying to transfer everything over from the uh, Mac, and some of the files got met- weirded out. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know, Bobes. I mean, there's just something about you. Because uh, I, I saw you perform that marriage that one time when Craig and Brianna got married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, you're up there. You're, you're performing the ceremony. You're the reverend performing the ceremony there. You, you had a bunch of index cards in one hand and a beer in the other. And you're performing <laughs> the wedding ceremony. Something, you went to go flip the card over. But I guess the beer in your other hand got in the way. And you dropped all the cards. Yeah. That's basically the same thing that happened here, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but an, an analog version of it. But, you know, <laughs> to, to your credit, you just picked up the cards and you just kept reading off them. You know, it didn't matter they weren't in the right order. That did not matter <laughs> one tiny bit. It was a beautiful wedding ceremony. It didn't make a lot of sense, perhaps, at times. But, um, you know, my, my eyes welled up a little bit. And, you know, you know, you know, it's crazy. You know, I stole that the minister's. Uh, Wedding sayings and vows I got from the Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson boat tape. They actually have a clip of them getting married, and the minister gave the best uh, vows I ever heard. So I just wrote those down. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Nothing but the best for the flippies. Yeah. Yeah, it was going good because remember, I was, well, it was like the quickest ceremony ever because I was, I was going good. It was about, I think they, I think on the video, I was three minutes in on the, and I dropped the cards and I picked them up. They were all out of order. And I was just kind of discombobulated. I said, all right, you may kiss the bride. <laughs> that was a great wedding. I, I, I mean, I, I did, um, you performed it, but I also performed there. I played, uh, my, I played like jazz guitar, Yeah, you know, and, um, Brianna of course chose to walk down the aisle to, to the song bills, bills, bills by destiny's child. <laughs> um, not exactly the easiest uh, song to, you know, to convert to like seven string jazz guitar, but I think I did a fair job. That sounded good. Yeah. Yeah. And then a little Willy Wonka stuff for flippy and played everybody out on, on a rainbow connection from the Muppet Muppet movie. So beautiful wedding, beautiful wedding. Again, didn't make a lot of sense at times, but it was a beautiful (laughs) wedding. It was awesome. That was so fun. (laughs) I was just saying Gatlinburg. I met this woman came to me and if you hear this, she said she listens to the podcast. If you hear this, I went to go see that guy in Newport, Tennessee, who uh, worked at a, a market who has two very high-quality, high-def game cam photos of a Bigfoot. Suppose, I mean, you hear this all the time. Like, it looks like stills from the PG film, kind of like that kind of quality, which I, heard, I just heard that three or four times this weekend and saw a Rorschach test of leaves and shadows and branches. Yeah, yeah. But I've heard a lot of like, you can see the fingernails and I'm looking at this like, I don't know. You sure those weren't your fingernails when you were holding your phone? I mean, the way to describe it just is not, you know, it seemed accurate. (laughs) Cause this one guy was writing to me for like months going, wait till you, I'm like, it's such a good photo. I'm like, I can't risk sending it online. I can't, I just have to see it when I'm in person. He showed it me in person. I was like, dude, I didn't even think it was, I thought, I thought it was straight paradigm. I thought it was shadows and leaves and branches, but He's like, no, you can see this. And then and I thought, well, because sometimes, you know, people will take a really lame picture, but their eyeballs saw way more detail. It's like, yeah, I can see like this here. You know, like I was looking at it. I can see the eyes and the bridge, the brow ridge and the nose and one of the side of the head and the shoulder. And yeah. And then, but I took the picture and just, it just looks like this. And other people you, you talk to, they're like, well, I just took the photo. I just took pictures all around that I go back and scan the photos and look for faces and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a big red flag there. Like that is not a valid technique. Some people think it is, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a jerk about it. Um, like that is not a valid technique. 
if you see something, take a picture of it. If you think something's in a direction, heck, even take a picture of that. But if you're just taking pictures randomly of the woods and then scanning them later for things that look like Bigfoot, uh, you're, you're just setting yourself up for like this pareidolia party. Pareidolia, of course, if you don't know, if our listeners, pareidolia is the tendency to see familiar shapes and things. Like when you look at a cloud and say, oh, that looks like Bobo riding a centaur. Well, yeah, um, that's pareidolia. Or when you look at the three-prong outlet on your wall and say, oh, that looks like a face. That is also pareidolia. Right. And of course, uh, you know, like the, the, you know, seek and ye shall find. You got to be careful because uh, a lot of people seek and find even if it's not there. And uh Looking for Sasquatches after the fact in pictures that you took at random um, doesn't get us very far. And they're all waiting for you to go, yeah, that's it. That's a great photo. And I'm just, I didn't see any. I saw one that was decent, a face shot. It, it, I don't even know that it was, but I could see it was the, it looked the most like a face of anything I saw there. But yeah, the one guy told me, wait till you see my photos. Wait till you see my photos. He had like four or five stills. And I'm like, you think this is as good as the PG film? I don't even know you're. Like the PG film, you don't have to point it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of my go-to sentence right there when people share things like that. And it's like, well, the Roger and Bob set the bar really high, really early on in the game. If you got to point it out, it just is not good enough. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. I had a woman in the shop this week, actually. Uh, she called and said, I've got a great picture. You, you need to see it and stuff. And um, yeah, and she came in and she showed me this picture that she took from her hotel room across the parking lot and she described to me how this Bigfoot crawled in the back of her white pick or this white pickup that she saw and and was batting this guy around inside. She doesn't know if he was dead beforehand or did he or the Bigfoot killed it. And I'm thinking and I looked at the picture and it's like I, I just think that's a reflection. I, I just don't see what you're seeing. She goes, you don't see it, it's right there, the eyes and like the arms moving. And I just I just I mean, maybe I'm wrong and I'm I'm you know me, I'm totally open to being wrong. You got to be if you're as wrong as I am as often as I am. But um, yeah, I just did not see that. And I just felt so bad because, you know, people people want our opinions, but very often they just want validation for what they see. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing, man. You know, I, we, we, I, I pride myself on telling the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. And it, it's just hard to do sometimes because I don't want to hurt people or let people down. But that's just the way it is, man. It's better to tell somebody the truth, even if it's not the truth they want to hear. Right. Because that's, that's the Bigfoot thing, man. We're not really looking for Sasquatches. Well, I don't know. Take that back. I'm not looking for Sasquatches necessarily. I'm looking for the truth with all this. Right. Um, and it's important to try to prove yourself wrong. But I guess other people aren't or something. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about people, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> to say much about them. The more I learn, the less I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. It happens. But everyone in Tennessee, I that's why I love going to Kentucky and Tennessee, West Virginia, that whole zone that... People are so friendly. Oh, yeah. Just one. Yeah. So kind. They're just so open. They want to welcome you in their home. They'd love to have like hang out and feed us. I mean, they just love us and it's hard not to love them back. Right. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. everybody this is cliff and this is bobo and we're from the podcast bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo 
Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not what like, your neighbor or roommate or some fool down the hall or some jerk on some other Bigfoot website is listening to. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they also sound just as amazing as any other top brand out there. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass for those Ohio howls, and a more compact design that gives you a nice, noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts, or more importantly, reviewing audio from your Bigfoot field research. So when you're reviewing those audio sounds, you can hear the entire spectrum from the low lows to the really high-pitched screams. These are perfect for Bigfoot needs and compact so you can take them to the field. Raycon wireless earbuds have been a game changer for me. I can sit there and listen for hours and hours and not be uncomfortable. It's the first pair I've ever found that can do that for me. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems to distract anybody during those video calls. You've heard us talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, etc. Pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo. That's buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash cliffbobo. You know, I had a couple other interesting um, sightings this past week roll through the museum. A lot of stuff's happening at the museum, actually. Uh, but, you know, I'll start with a couple of the sightings. You know, and a couple of these might be good podcast guests, so I won't go too far into their sightings. But um, I got a great report this past week out of the Tillamook area. Yeah, this guy back in 2007 or something, he was driving home um, from the coast, like real early with his family, like 4.30 a.m. And he's driving on Highway 26, and he passes this, uh, what he thought was a big dude, walking on the side of the road, you know, which isn't unheard of. Not, not at all, I guess, you know, 4.30 in the morning, it's a little strange, especially where they were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, then he noticed the guy's carrying a deer. I love those. I love the stories where Sasquatches are carrying things because it's so rare. But in this case, the guy, uh, the guy that, you know, is actually turned out to be a Sasquatch, but this guy supposedly wearing dark clothes, um, passed this guy, the, the, the Sasquatch was carrying the deer over its shoulders. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it had uh, one hand wrapped around both of the deer legs and the deer was kind of dangling over its back and the head was like flip flopping back around. It was clearly dead over by its knees, you know, and like he just drove by and goes, that's a big dude, you know. But then he started thinking, man, that's not a dude. There's no way that that big old deer is being carried like that at some guy at 430 in the morning and stuff. Um, he just thought it was somebody like, you know hit a deer or something, but the the roadkill law here in Oregon, here in Oregon, it's legal to uh, take roadkill and bring it home and eat it if you want. But that had not passed yet. That was actually passed um, and went into effect in January of 2018, I believe. But this was back in 2007. You know, it's not to say nobody would do that, but uh, everything kind of lines up. It's like, oh yeah, that's a cool, that's kind of a cool report. I like it when they're carrying things, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of that, 
What's interesting when people see him carrying live animals, like remember that one from like it was either Trinity or Siskiyou County in Northern California, and the guy was pulling it at nighttime, and the thing was carrying a little fawn under its arm, like a football, and the 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 fawn was alive, and he could see both their eyes, the Bigfoot and the fawn's eyes reflecting, and the as he drove past, the fawn's head turned and followed him. Oh wow, that's a BFR report. The other one was in John Green's book about Nia Bay back in the '60s. The native guy that saw the Bigfoot walking with the harbor seal tucked under his arm, and the seal was still alive, and he was walking up the mountain with it from the way from the beach. Oh, I, I have heard that one. I might have heard it from you, but that one that one does ring familiar. It's in uh, John Green's one of his books. Okay, what a bum out to be that seal or that fawn. I know that. Uh, uh, oh man, just I guess the oddest thing you could possibly have seen was Albert Osmond in his back in his sleeping bag getting hauled out like a Santa Claus carrying a sack of toys. Yeah, <laughs> toys. Yeah, what else, you know, I was just thinking about what else if I heard of them carrying, like, that when I had my first sighting, the reason I went up there was this native woman had saw a Bigfoot cross the dirt road in front of her, and it was dragging, it had a piece of rolled up uh, cardboard, like a big long piece from like a, like a refrigerator box or something, and then it was, in the other hand, it had a aqua blue child's sweater, it was holding by the wrist of one of the sleeves and dragging the rest of it in the other sleeve on the ground. And it was, that, that's, that's maybe the strangest thing I've heard him carrying, but, um, see, I've heard of him carrying seaweed up from the ocean, um, armfuls of clams. There's that photograph from New Mexico of it carrying that log, whatever it's yep. doing, like a 12 foot tall or 12 foot long log tree sort of thing. It was a big oak branch. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's impressive. Then, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on historical Bigfoot reports and, you know, back for the Bigfoot, you know, they called them wild men. And it's uh, it's hard to make it's uh, it's so hard to make out what's going on in those old reports because some of them are clearly you read it, it's just a crazy guy that's you know his hair his hair's grown out of like his beard and head and all that and he's nuts. But then the other ones, the other ones they describe a big foot, eight foot tall gorilla like, but it's you know got shredded clothes on or a loincloth like. There's been I've never heard a modern report of them wearing, wearing a loincloth. No. No, it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, was that just something that the, the reporter put in there because of those, those were like modest times? Right. Like you, couldn't, you couldn't even, Victorian era, man, it was inappropriate to even say naked or anything like that. So right. You couldn't, you couldn't print something like that. Maybe that's, maybe that's the root of all that. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Like, how, how do you know? Like, I'm sure there's some sociologists or like some PhD professor guy that studied like, you know, a journalism professor got studied the history of journalism. He'd we'd probably get some answers out of that. Someone like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. What other weird things you heard of him carrying? I guess, like th- I've heard of him carrying three or four ducks by the neck in one hand. Oh yeah, well the Bender Noggle uh, drawing in there has a, a th- he's got like a duck in one hand and a stick in the other. Yeah, kind of caught in the act, right? Yeah. That's a great book, by the way. So if our readers haven't, our readers, if our listeners haven't read that book, definitely got to check it out. Bender Noggle's first book is must read. His second book is real, real heady and kind of hard to get through. But, you know, if you're interested, it's more of a, um, a, a yeah, definitely more academic because he was targeting the academics during that time. But it's really more of it's almost like a philosophy of science um, study and how it pertains to Sasquatches and why there's such an academic and scientific resistance to studying the, the subject. But the first book is fantastic, so everybody needs to check that out. It's an easy read. It's, you don't have to read it. It's not like a chapter book or something. You can just sit down and read any part of it you want um, for as long as you want. Definitely get that book if you don't have it. That's always been in my top five for Bigfoot books. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I miss John. Yeah, me too. I was just thinking about him a lot this weekend. I was quoting him on some stuff here and there. I was like, ah, Bender dog. Like you go to a conference. Well, when I first started going to conferences, it was like such a chance to see my heroes like John Green and Bender Noggle and Meldrum. And then now I'm up there talking. It's like, I can't hold a candle to those guys. No, no, I feel the same way. Not about you personally, but my, me personally, <laughs> you know? Um, right. Yeah, because but, but Bigfoot is one of those special subjects, you know? It's, it's kind of a small pool sort of thing um, where it's, it's one of those... T- yeah, a friend of mine commented on it saying that it's one of those fields, I guess, one of the fields where your heroes can become your friends. Right. That's kind of cool. You know, that's really cool, actually. I really enjoy it. Not too many basketball players get to go hang out with Michael Jordan for a weekend. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people tell me that all the time. They're like, I can't believe it. Like, they'll look at us, you know, because they love this show. They love Bigfoot. And they, they watched us for so many years. They'll be like, they're all excited to be like, I can't believe it. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're... You shouldn't be that excited. Trust me. It's we're just regular people that just happen to have someone holding the camera pointing at us and it projects into your living room. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a job at the end of the day. You know, yeah. the finding Bigfoot thing is a great opportunity. Don't get me wrong, it's a great job, but it's it's just a job. Yeah. Doesn't make anything special. You just got lucky. Yeah, the Sasquatches must carry things around. I mean, that's what hands are for. Um, but there's relatively few sightings of them carrying around anything. I'm not sure if anyone's ever done a study or a, made a list of all those things, but that would be a cool thing to, uh, to have one of our, our, one of our listeners do perhaps. So we don't have to do it. Yeah. I was always saying, I was, I, well, I've thought about that a lot. Like what are they seen carrying? And I always thought I should go through and quantify it. Like, okay, they've been seen carrying a branch or a club type thing this many times. And they've been seen carrying chickens this many times or, you know, one thing I've heard, we forgot, this one's pretty common, pigs and sheep. Oh, yeah, yeah, food items in general, right? And chickens, just like that property in Ohio. First time the guy saw one on his property in Ohio, was holding one of his own chickens. Yeah. That night when I was up at the by Bluff Creek with Ranger Leiterman, when we had the Bigfoot run through the side of camp and just barely pause, and it scooped up like 10 apples and kept running like, so that thing had to get, if you would have saw that one, you would have saw it carrying an armful of apples. Yeah. And what dexterity. And I have a hard time carrying three or four apples. Yeah. It was, uh, that, that's one of the most amazing things I've experienced with Bigfoots was how they, left, uh, I think there was two apples left, one on the ground, one on the stump. And we'd start with, I think, 15 and maybe, with, maybe it took 12 and left three or something like that. But it, ran, it was so fast, it ran through the side of camp so freaking fast and just, a little bit, like not even like a full stop, just a slight pause and just grab those apples in the pitch black and just kept going. Yeah, more and more. I mean, I've heard this all along, of course, but uh, it just resonates more and more as I hear so many stories uh, reflect this. Their speed is terrifying. Yeah. That just keeps coming back, like how fast these big giant animals can run. Uh, a friend of ours, actually, uh, she, she told us when she saw two of them run uphill. Um, she said that, uh, it's going straight uphill pretty much not, obviously not straight uphill, but up a super steep slope, like 45 degree angle. One was on all fours. One was running on two legs. She saw them both at the same time. And she told me it was like taking a bungee cord and pulling it until it could give no longer and then let it, letting it go. And that's how fast these seven foot tall animals were running up the hill. Horrifying. 
or that dude Robbie, who uh, we interviewed on Finding Bigfoot at that hairpin turn on Gordon Creek Road. Yeah, and so uh, he told me that that thing ran up that hill, and you saw that hill, of course. It, he said it ran up that hill faster than he'd ever seen a man run on flat ground. Insane, man. Well, the craziest one is uh, I was with Mel Scahan on the Yakima Indian Reservation in East Washington, and a guy that he knows real well, and I met the guy actually, told this crazy story. We drove down the road, this thing, he was driving 55 to 65 in his truck, and it was paralleling him. And it jumped over the truck and landed up on the tr- train tracks. Oh, wow. On an elevator. Yeah, he says the thing, he said he was going probably 60. He said the thing had more speed than he did. And it jumped clear over the truck and kept running up on the train tracks up above. I mean, it was like a easily running 65 miles an hour. Wow. You know, speaking of train tracks, a, a week and a half ago, I had a train conductor in the museum here. And um, he, has, he had seen Sasquatches twice over the years from the train. Really? Yeah. It's the train tracks on the South side of the 84, you know, like uh, on, uh, highway 84, which is, um, just on the, it's on the Oregon side of the Columbia river, basically through the gorge. Yeah. The gorge, it goes through the gorge, right. goes through the Dalles and comes over to downtown Portland and they do train stuff and it goes somewhere else. Yeah. So over the years, he's seen them twice, I guess. Uh, he saw one in 2009 in the winter and then he saw another one in summer of 2012. And he was kind enough to, to mark the spots on a map for me, which is what I have uh, most witnesses do when they come in the shop and tell me what's going on. So I'm getting quite an interesting map going. How did you describe him? Uh, he just saw one um, standing. I think one was standing in, this, in the water, not of the river, but one of these little lagoony sort of estuary sort of things on the side of the Columbia River. One was standing there doing something. Um, and I think he saw that one during the day, if I remember right. I have to check my notes. And the other one, I think, was at night, and I think it was on the tracks. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, Bobo, I, I have you again. Uh, our listeners probably don't know this because of the amazing editing job that our editor does, but um, we lost contact with Bobo for a minute, um, and it took about 15 minutes to get him back, but he is now back. So, Bobo, welcome back. Yeah, do I sound different? Uh, you sound a little louder for some reason, but I'm okay with that. I hit puberty. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, your voice did drop a few octaves. Nice. Um, I don't know what happened. I didn't. I was sitting here not touching anything, and it, the mic just cut out. That it, it uh, started giving me all these different microphone options with the same microphone, but just different settings. And I ended up just going back to having to use the built-in mic of the computer. Well, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's a new computer, so it's a new computer, and that combined with the general chaos that surrounds you with uh, technology and stuff, things like this are bound to happen. And I'm okay with it as long as you are. <laughs> I'm not okay with it, but I have no choice. Exactly. You're, you're a victim of your circumstance and karma, I suppose. <laughs> hey, but I, you know, while, we, while you were gone, I thought of one of the most important things that has happened in the museum the last couple of weeks that I wanted to tell you about. Um, well, two, two important things. Uh, number one, we picked up an employee and you met the guy, uh, Connor Anderson from Colorado. You met the guy at the Colorado gig last year, young guy, kind of bearded and glasses and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He decided to move to Oregon. So uh, we, I picked him up at the museum here. So he's uh, helping me deal with the store. And and, uh, the, and he's great. He's a solid Bigfooter. He loves the subject. He uh, wants to go on investigations all the time. He's super fired about recording data when, when, when witnesses come in. He is perfect. So he's, he's got his own. He, he's made some good casts in Colorado, right? 
He's made a couple casts. Some of them are very good, I guess. You know, he showed me the one that he has, and it might be the real thing, but um, you know, so many casts are just kind of blobby to begin with. Right. Yeah, but he's legit, man. He's he's the guy that may have filmed one on one of my expeditions a couple years ago, but the film doesn't show very much. Um, just kind of blobby thermal things on one of those TK scouts. Uh-huh. But he's totally legit, man, and um, I'm happy to have him on board. It's going to take some of the burden of the museum off of my shoulders and free me up to do a couple other things. Oh, that's great. Oh, super excited about it because, you know, I mean, opening your own business is, is always hard, and but I deserve a day off every once in a while. And now Connor's going to let me have a couple of those, which is great. Whether I want to or not, the museum may be shut on Tuesday, Wednesdays, but I'm always working. You know, I'm here now. Uh, we got some new displays up, too, I wanted to tell you about. Uh, we got a thermal imaging display where I take uh, my old uh, Raytheon 250D. And I mount it to the board and I just, I describe what thermal imaging is. And the 250D is looking at you reading the board. So you get to see yourself on thermal imagers. And for us, that's no big deal because we deal with therms all the time. But for, you know, the regular person coming into our museum, they don't have access to thermal imagers. So they get to kind of see themselves on the screen and what they look like. And when I was looking at myself the other day, I said, oh, you know, what? oh, that's interesting, you know, because uh, I don't see myself on therm very often. Obviously, I'm usually looking through a therm, right? Well, yeah, okay, my, my, my face is really warm and stuff. And I looked at myself, I go, that's so funny. My hair is cool. My hair is uh, colder in temperature, so it makes it look like my hair is, is dark on my face. And I haven't seen myself with non-white or gray hair in decades. It's like, oh, that's what young Cliff looks like. So you went great pretty young. I did. I started getting grays in my beard in like 22 or 23, you know, and then it just cascaded to this now, you know. My wife likes it, and I guess that all, that's all that matters. It makes you distinguished. Right, right. She calls me a silver fox, which I think is, um, you know, um, perhaps uh, generous because she got this. She got the silver part right. <laughs> silver fox. <laughs> oh, but but check this out. So, so um, as we're recording this, this is what Wednesday. No, Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? It is Tuesday. So last week around, uh, I think last Monday, not yesterday, but a week ago, I got an email um, from a witness. Actually, he's not the witness. His wife is the witness. There was a sighting up at Lolo Pass um, a week ago Saturday. So that would put it on, I don't even know what day that would be. But um, like about a week ago, about a week and a couple days ago, there was a sighting on Lolo Pass. And basically these people, um, I guess that would be the, the 18th. The 18th of July, because goodness knows when this will actually hit the air. So we don't know when you, the good listener, is, re- is listening. 18th of July has already passed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we can't have a sighting report from the future yet. Yeah. So on July 18th, there was a sighting up on Lolo Pass Road. These people were riding a, a horse trail. Um, and it wasn't quite at Lolo Pass. It was above there a little bit towards Zigzag Mountain. And um, they were riding up the trail. And uh, they, they they stopped at one point to have lunch. And they heard something go like coming through the trees, hit a tree, and he turned just in time to see this rock. He said it was about smaller than a bowling ball, but somewhere pretty big rock, you know, dropping down the branches like one of those, what is it, the Pachanko ball games or whatever? It's hitting all the branches all the way down. He goes, oh my gosh, what is that, you know? Um, And then they, they started riding further, and it wasn't too much longer after that that his wife came up to him and said, I just saw it. I just saw it. He goes, what, what? And they start talking about what she saw. Now, mind you, they're on top of horses on a very steep slope on this trail that's about 18 inches wide. It drops off precipitously over to the right. And um, looking down slope, she caught about a three or four second long glimpse 
of a Sasquatch darting between trees below her on the slope. But this happened twice. So she saw the thing twice for three to four or five seconds at a time each time. So, uh, and, and then, you know, the rest of the day kind of went with that incident, but she saw this thing twice down there. And that's significant, of course, because the, uh, last year, the second to last day in June, in fact, another sighting report came from the same location. And then about six years ago, maybe now, a friend of mine um, saw a Sasquatch at the same location at this time of year. So, you know, so I got word of this and um, I told Connor about it, you know, so Connor and I went out there after work. You know, we get off at five or something like that. We went and grabbed a burrito for the road and headed up there. And we started trying to get to get to the location because uh, I saw that there was this road that led up there. Of course, when we got there, everything went wrong. Uh, the road had been um, decommissioned, totally shut down, really hard to walk on. And uh, so basically around 11 or 12 that night, we came back. So, okay, well, we can't get there going there. So let's go back the next day um, and try a different route. So that time we took a different trail and made it up into the general area where the siding was. Um, we spent a lot longer in the area this time as well. So we found the trail that the horse riders were on. And then turns out below that was the same decommissioned logging road, but just many, many miles up from where we tried to take it. So uh, we walked that logging road for a while and we pulled a track. We pulled a track out of there. It's uh, not very good. It's certainly very blobby, but it looked it's one of those times it kind of looked better in the ground than the cast does itself. But um, I think it might be legit. Um, I know it's not a hoax, but I don't think it's a misidentification. Um, we spent some time in the area during the day, and we're doing a couple knocks. We didn't really do howls until night or anything, but we did some knocks, and we got some sounds in return. Like what? Well, uh, we're by the way, this valley below us, there's nothing in there. No, it's literally wilderness area. You know, like, so there's no cars, there's no nothing in there. And we were up on the side of the hill and kind of underneath where the trail was, where this lady saw it, probably three or 400 yards down from there, actually on this logging road. And I, I did a few of the big knocks you know, against a tree. And then within 30 seconds from the other side of the valley, and then just deeper in the valley where there's again, nothing at all. We hear big thunderous noises you know it wasn't thunder but there were two of them and i did two knocks and i go oh well isn't that interesting like what the heck could have made that noise and we're kind of talking about it going back and forth we decided to try it again and then another much closer pop, pop, came back when i did it two more times oh they were right there well, apparently, I, I think one was perhaps on the other side of the valley and, and made some really, I don't know how the heck they make these crazy big noises, if it was a Sasquatch at all, of course. I mean, I don't know that. Um, but over the next two hours, we heard we heard a similar noise coming from up in the valley three more times, uh, twice happening right after we called. And of course, this area is so good, man. This area is so good. Um, so much stuff comes out of this particular mountain. Uh, it's, it's like in the zigzag mountain area. You can look at it, look at it, a map or whatever. I've heard about, I've heard about Trail of Mountainous. Oh, did you? Nice. The, the Mount Hood Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting fellow. I like him. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that whole mountain just goes off. There's even a, a Devil's Creek on one side of it on the 26th. There's Devil's um, Fall. Um, yeah, the, the area clearly has a history of Sasquatches. Otherwise they wouldn't have names like that around. And plus sightings happen, you know, apparently every July or June or something up there. That's the time to be there. Apparently. Yeah. And then, you know, it's 30 minutes from my doorstep, which is awesome. Love living here for that reason. 
but yeah, that was kind of a, a fun thing to do this past week is do immediate follow-ups on citing reports like that. You know what I was thinking about you, Cliff, was uh, did you hear about that guy that found the 50-year-old canisters from um, his dad had got them from a guy. He owned a car dealership in Washington, a Chevy dealer. And in 1970, a guy came in and didn't have enough money to buy the vehicle, but he told me he had some priceless things. And he gave him two canisters of 16-millimeter Kodak film. And he claimed it was the only footage of Bigfoot known to man. And uh, his dad took it as collateral for the balance. And the guy never came back and bought it back. And the guy just found it again. Um, he says they're in perfect condition. They're in a heavy safe. Um, he had them copied. And it's it's uh, a lot of Rogers. It's from a BBC documentary that they shot. And it's 47 minutes with Roger talking a lot. And uh, anyways, it's it's... He's got it listed for seventy five hundred dollars starting bid. I yeah yeah the guy reached out to me about it, but um it's it's the BBC documentary and that's available elsewhere. You know it'd be it'd be cool to have the sixteen millimeter stuff, but not not seventy five hundred dollars cool. Right, I was gonna say what's I mean, it's the one we all saw right that BBC documentary. Yeah, with like Roger with the fireplace behind him and that sort of stuff, like wearing a nice sweater. Yeah, I was wondering like I was like why is it so much money like what's What's the value? I didn't see what the value really was. Yeah, that was kind of a, there, there was some bubbling on the internet about maybe two months ago about that. Um, he's, he's trying to sell it to the highest bidder and such, but I don't think anybody bid that high. I don't think they should have really, honestly. It's, it's, it's cool, but you know, if you have the right uh, contacts, you can probably just see it, you know? Right. It's not online, huh? I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is. It's cool though. I, I saw I, a friend of mine had a DVD of it, so he showed it to me. Yeah, I saw. I haven't seen it in a long. I, I don't know. Someone showed it to me. Did I tell you about that lady that came in the shop that was here in Vokes by her house about every month and a half or so? She came back in. She came back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she came back in. I learned a little bit more about the footage. Um, apparently, it was on surveillance cameras um, at on the property uh, on the property. So she didn't film it. I was kind of wondering, like, why was she filming what she thought was a human? But uh, it turns out it's surveillance uh, camera footage of this thing. Um, then she has the hard drive in her storage unit somewhere. And so I kept pushing her. And this time I was smart enough to get her phone number. And last time I just got her address for some reason, like I was going to send her a postcard or something stupid. But anyway, um, yeah, I got her phone number this time. So I'll be bothering her a little bit in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, uh, encouraging her to go clean out her storage unit so I can see this, uh, this footage. Yeah. Yeah. It blows my mind how people get stuff like that. And it is. It's just, yeah, whatever. I, I lost that, you know, many, uh, whatever, whatever the storage device they had on like, yeah, we don't know where it is. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a Bigfoot. Who cares? Yeah. So come on. <laughs> I, I offered to go clean out their storage unit. Yeah. I remember I was like, I'd come up and help. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I could, I'm sure there's some unusual things in there. God, there's so many un unknown films and video clips and game camera photos and just that people just don't know what to do with it, but I'll tell you what to do. Contact us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is it? Bigfoot and beyond podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Or cliffberkman.com, whatever. Yeah. Who, who knows who cares? Just get it into somebody's hands so we can analyze this thing and put it out there or not put it out there. Just have it. So we can know a little bit about the Sasquatches that are living in your area. That's the one thing. Uh, you will not find one thing written on the internet or hear one person ever say that we made him a promise about confidentiality and broke it. No, no, I don't think so. 
like in, in our theater here at, at the museum, I, I have this looped eight minute documentary about the analysis of um, the Clackamas River photograph. It's a game camera photograph that, you know, for the skeptics looking at it, they say, oh, see, it's a blurry, whatever, you can't tell. But there's actually a lot of information you can get out of it. We, we can uh, find out how tall this thing was. Um, you, you can tell that it's not an elk or anything. It's either a human or a Sasquatch, but the thing's like seven foot, 10 inches tall or something. So it can't be a person. And I'm, I'm open to it not being a Sasquatch, but I mean, for all the skeptics who come to my museum and watch this, if it's not a Bigfoot, what else could it be? You know, because the dude isn't skilled at Photoshop or anything like that. I don't even know how you'd make something like that. It's a video or still? It's a still. It's a trail camera photograph. Okay. Yeah, it's blurry, but um, but the blurs are in, in themselves are interesting because um, when you do a, a really in depth analysis, like I did in the in the video clip in the in the theater here in our museum, um, you can tell that the blurs on the arms, legs, and torso are all going different directions very slightly, which is exactly what should happen because the arms are moving independently of the torso and the legs, so they the blurs should be going the wrong direct or not exactly parallel. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, that back to the point. That man t- said, "Yeah, I want to keep my name out of it if you don't mind." And and to this day, no one knows his name. So, yeah, it's just more important, you know, treating people kindly and doing the right thing is more important than any sort of, you know, feeding of our egos by putting out a picture that we didn't even take. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah. So, well, I, I, t- I only told you about one of the museum displays. I'm all over the place. Forgive me, but uh, one of the other new museum displays. Well, we have two actually. Well, I, well, I don't know. See, I don't remember the last time I talked to you. So, uh, did I tell you about the Patterson one we just put in? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, as it turns out, okay, we've all we've all seen this in Dr. Grover Krantz's book. I think they do the same thing in uh, Chris Murphy's thing, the Meet the Sasquatch or Know the Sasquatch, um, where they took frame was it sixty one or something like that of the Patterson Gimlin film as the creature's walking away from the camera. You know, her foot, her trailing foot rises up and is kind of perpendicular to the ground. Right. And so, um, a lot of people is say, okay, well, Dr. Grover Krantz is the first guy I know that said this. He said, okay, well, we know how big the foot is and we can see the entire length of the bottom of the foot. Why don't we just clip that out of the picture, stack up the feet and we can figure out how tall she is. Right. Right. Everybody's kind of probably seen that. If you're listening to our podcast, you probably know about that. If not go get Dr. Grover Krantz's book. It's excellent. You should be reading that anyway. I reread it once a year, um, at least. So anyway, um, no one's ever done that in full size. Um, until now we did that in the museum here. So I called up Eric to Hinden and, uh, cause I'm, you know, I'm not going to step on anybody's intellectual property. Right. So I called up Eric and, um, I spoke to him and said, Hey Eric, would you mind if I use this particular frame for the museum? I think, you know, we want to do this with it. And he goes, Oh yeah, sure. That sounds good. And so he, he, he was kind enough to uh, let us use the frame for free in the museum. And what I did is that, uh, t- I took that frame with the foot there and I, I, uh, actually physically mounted a footprint cast on the display itself next to the foot. And then I blew up the picture until the picture of the foot matched the same size as the cast mounted on the display. And so for the first time we can see Patty in all her glory in real size. Which probably about six, four. She's not that big, actually. She's about six, six, three or somewhere in there. Yeah. Right in there. Yeah, that, that's that seven foot three inches thing that Glickman and those guys, Franzoni, put out way back in the day. That They way over blew it. There's no way she can be that tall. And uh, Dr. Grover Krantz, of course, uh, comments on that um, in his second edition to his book. Um, the first edition was called Big Footprints. The second edition that has a bunch of addendums at the end of the book there, um, he comments on that pretty extensively. 
uh, and it's called Bigfoot Sasquatch Evidence. That's the one you should pick up and read. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, because she's not actually that tall, but man, her shoulders are like 29 inches wide. No, no, 30, 29 or 31 somewhere. I have, to, I have to go check my notes. I think it's 31. Is that what it is? Still big, big. Because I think my shoulders are something around 19 or 20 inches. Yeah, I was going to say, I think mine, I thought they were 23 or 24, but that could be wrong. Yeah. Well, next time we're hanging out, I'll measure. It might be have a good uh, number stat for you to have in your head on yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like your height. Everybody's always, always asked me how big, how tall Bobo is. And I always say, you know, he's in boots. Um, he's six foot four, but he's seven and a half when he wears his personality. <laughs> you call my high heels? My <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I wink and say, actually, those are high heels, right? <laughs> his high heeled hiking boots. Yeah. People are always disappointed at how small I am. Like, he looks so big on the show. He looks so big on the show. And I'm like, yeah, the camera adds a foot. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And we have another display, too. Um, you remember, of course, we had Stacy Brown Jr. on the show a little while back, a few months oh, ago. Oh, I just watched his movie two nights ago, and I saw you in it. Right, right. It's not so bad, right? It's good. I was like, uh, like Stacy, good job, brother. Totally, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. so I called Stacy and I said, hey, um, I'm looking to do another display. I want to put your uh, – can I use your footage, you know, the, the or your dad's footage, really? Um on the display he goes, Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll do you better than that. He's actually sending me the thermal imager and the recording device to, to display. Cause it doesn't work anymore. He got it as a factory second to begin with, which is why they needed the external recording device. Um, but he's going to, he's going to lend me that as part of the display. So, um, what I did, um, is, uh, I took my analysis of that clip and I wrote it up and made it real digestible for people and simplified it and everything. And, um, you know, so everybody from, you know, five years old to 85 years old or more can understand it. And um, we're, we're looping the footage there. Connor um, is, is a film guy. So he cleaned it up and looped it for me. And it's a brand new display. And, um, and when, when I was talking to Stacy, he said, hey, have you seen my, my, my film yet? You know, um, what, what is it? Um, the Skunk Ape Lives. Right, right. Really good. So I went home that night and I watched it. And I mean, I know you're in the same boat as I am, but we see a lot of Bigfoot documentaries and stuff. I almost dread them sometimes because a lot of them aren't very, aren't very good, honestly. Um, but this one is really good. Uh, it's, yeah, there's talking heads and stuff like everybody else has, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of centered around the footage itself. And Stacy put the footage of him filming his dad while his dad was filming the Sasquatch into it. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Yeah, man, I I was watching that. I was rewinding that part of the film. It was like, that is so, that footage, I mean, I always say it's the best thermal clip, this and that. I know it's good, but to go back and watch it again, it blew me away all over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, as I was running the numbers and, and writing the, 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 the story, the dialogue, the text for the display, I, man, I forgot how big that thing was, man. I mean, that one step it took, that one step was like 51 inches. I'm pretty confident of that. Because it took me, like, I took two huge leaping strides. And, like, yeah, it took me that one and a half leaping uh, steps. Yeah. Yeah, there's two trees that are uh, visible in the, in the footage. And uh, I forget what percentage in the numbers, but you can read it on the, my website if you want, cliffberrickman.com. You can read all my numbers, number crunch in there. But it, it did something like 70% of the distance between these two trees in one step. 
And uh, I had the distance between those two. It was just as simple as going, oh, 70% of that is this, you know, and it turned out, I think it was 51 inches, if I remember right. It, it dwarfed me. When I, when I went to the same spot, it just dwarfed me. Yeah, very impressive piece of footage. And, of course, uh, Stacy's father has now passed. So um, it's kind of a sad, sentimental thing. But I did uh, write a little thing about uh, dedicating that display to Stacy Sr. And, uh, yeah, senor. Oh, senor, exactly. I forgot about that. Yeah, and Stevie Stevie Strings is in the in the movie too. That was cool. I love that guy. Love that guy. All right, Cliff. Well, this week it was just you and I catching up. Um, we got some more great guests coming up. So until next time, folks. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, hit like and share. Let your friends and family, enemies know about it. Until next week, keep it squatchy. Down, 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 down. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 